Hey everyone, this is Brie. You are listening to Brief, the podcast that summarizes all the books. This is episode one of The Kite Runner by Haled Hosseini. In this episode, I'm covering major characters and chapters one through 12. And I'll mention the themes in the beginning, but I'll do an in-depth cover of all the themes in the second episode at the very end. So be sure to check that one out. I have to do some warnings at the beginning of this because it is so tragic. It's going to break your heart. And there's also a lot of really heavy subjects that we're going to cover, including abuse and bullying and rape and torture. I mean, we do get into like Taliban rule here. So just be warned, it's not an easy read and it is not for the faint of heart. Okay, context and overview. The Kite Runner, written by Haled Hosseini, he was born in Kabul, Afghanistan in 1965, and he moved to France when he was 11, and then four years later, his family moved to the U.S. and applied for asylum. In Afghanistan, he grew up in a privileged middle-class area, and after he moved to France, they couldn't go back to Afghanistan because of the Saar Revolution in 1978. And that's when the people overthrew the president and assassinated him and his family. And this resulted in a revolution. And he didn't return to Afghanistan until 2001 when he was 36 years old. So moves to France and then to the U.S. And when he was 15, they moved to San Jose, California. He didn't speak any English, but eventually he went to college, became a doctor, and was a doctor for 10 years until The Kite Runner was published in 2003. And then he stopped being a doctor and became a full-time writer. The Kite Runner was a New York Times bestseller, and so are his other books, A Thousand Splendid Sons and, and The Mountain Echoes. Hosseini started riding the kite runner after learning that the Taliban had banned kite running in Afghanistan. So kite fighting slash kite running is a popular sport in India, Afghanistan, Iran, and some countries in South America. Basically, they have these kite flying festivals where people, mostly children, fly kites and the goal is to cut the other kites down and be the last one standing. Usually there's two kids doing it together. One of them is holding the string and the other one is like maneuvering it higher up to cut down the other kites. And then there's kite runners, which are the kids who run after the kites that are cut down, especially the expensive ones, because the rules are the catcher of the kite keeps the kite. The kite runner who gets the best kite wins and then the kite fighter who's the last one standing also wins. So the kite runner story follows Amir who grew up in Afghanistan and lived through some rough times including the fall and overthrow of Afghanistan's monarchy in 1973, the Soviet-Russian military invasion in the 1980s which forced Afghan refugees to flee to Pakistan, and then of course the rise of the Taliban starting in 1996. Amir's story reflects a lot of Haled Hosseini's story and the experiences he had in Afghanistan and America. Okay, major characters. So the main character, also the narrator, his name is Amir. In the beginning of the story, he is a grown man living in San Francisco, and the story goes back to his childhood and sort of his whole life story. He grew up in Afghanistan with his father, who he calls Baba, and they have a servant named Ali, and Ali's son's name is Hassan, and Baba and Ali grew up together. They're very close, like brothers. Anyway, he's still a servant, but they're very close and treat them really well. 
Amir is jealous of Hassan because he feels like Baba pays more attention to him and treats him like a son where Amir wants all of that attention for himself, basically. He feels like Baba likes Hassan more than him. But he and Hassan are best friends. They grow up together. When Amir is 18, he escapes Afghanistan with his dad and they move to America. Okay, so the second character is Hassan. He is a year younger than Amir, and like I said, they're best friends. They grow up together, but he and his father are technically servants. So there are different ethnic groups in Afghanistan, obviously. And Baba and Amir are Pashtuns, and Ali and Hassan are Hazaras. And Hazaras are like a highly oppressed group in Afghanistan, and they have been persecuted historically for decades. So. Hassan is Hazara, and they are technically the servants. He has a cleft lip. He is extremely devoted to Amir, loves him like a brother, would do anything for him if he asked. Okay, so Amir's dad, they don't ever say his name, I don't think, but they call him Baba. He is Amir's dad. He has a nickname, Mr. Hurricane, very highly respected in Afghanistan, in his community. Like I said, he's Pashtun. He's very tall. He has a thick beard. He's a successful businessman who's known for helping people around his community. And he and his son escape Afghanistan. And when they get to America, Baba works at a gas station in San Francisco and runs a booth at a swap meet every Sunday. Okay, so Hassan's dad, Ali, is Baba's servant. His parents were killed when he was a boy, and the judge who took him in was Baba's father. So he grew up with Baba. They were like brothers. Like I said, he's Hazara, very persecuted throughout his life, and he also had polio, which paralyzed the muscles in his right leg, and the neighbor kids made fun of him for it, called him the boogeyman. So he's had a pretty hard life, but Baba took him in, took care of him. So Baba's best friend is Rahim Khan. It's his closest friend and business partner. And he also loves Amir. He gives Amir a journal for one of his birthdays and encourages him to keep writing. This is before he leaves Afghanistan. And Rahim Khan plays a big role in getting Amir to come back to Afghanistan when he's an adult and living in America. After Amir and Baba left Afghanistan, Rahim Khan stayed and lived in their house. There's obviously more characters and more that I would normally talk about, but I don't want to give anything away. So the last character I'm going to talk about, his name is Asef. He is half German, half Afghan. He has blonde hair and blue eyes. He's extremely savage, definitely a sociopath. He does terrible things to Hassan, and he thinks that Hitler had the right idea. If you, you know, needed any more proof that he's a sociopath, he's down with Hitler. And he eventually becomes a leader in the Taliban and terrorizes his neighborhood. He also buys children from the orphanage in Afghanistan for, like, his own purposes. Okay, so the themes are guilt and redemption, fathers and sons, religion and hypocrisy, racism and classism, male friendship, and the past. And I'm not going to talk about them now. I'll talk about them at the end, but those are the themes to look out for. Okay, let's get into chapter summaries. Chapter one. This chapter opens in December 2001. Amir is the narrator, like I said, and he says that his life changed in 1975. He doesn't say why, but he says 
on the first page, well, the first line says, I became what I am today at the age of 12 in 1975. So it's 26 years later. He now lives in San Francisco, and he just got a call from Rahim Khan, who is now living in Pakistan, asking him to come back and visit him. Remember, Rahim Khan was Amir's father's best friend and someone that he really looked up to. Amir is at the park thinking about this, and he's watching kids fly kites, and he's reminded of home and of a boy named Hassan. And he says, that was a long time ago, but it's wrong what they say about the past, I've learned, about how you can bury it, because the past claws its way out. And he says that whatever happened in 1975 made him what he is today. Chapter 2. As children, Amir and Hassan were really good friends, and they got into a lot of trouble together. Hassan, like I said, he is Hazara, and he has a cleft lip. This is obviously something that other kids make fun of him for. Amir talks about his dad, who he calls Baba, and how they had a beautiful house in the Wazir Akbar Khan district in northern Kabul. His father often invited guests over for dinner and parties, and Amir tells us that his mother died giving birth to him, and the year after he was born, Hassan was born. Hassan and his father, Ali, like I said, they're servants, and they lived in a servant's hut at the end of Amir's, like, mansion home. Hassan's mother, Sanubar, I don't know if I'm saying that right, she ran off with a group of singers and dancers a week after he was born. And so they both motherless, both grew up with their fathers together. Okay, one day, Amir and Hassan go to the movies together, and they take a shortcut that goes through the soldiers' barracks. And the soldiers harass them, mostly Hassan, because they know he's Hazara, and they say that they knew his mom which it's unclear whether or not they really did, but she was, like, iconically beautiful. And they said, you know, some pretty horrible things about his mom as they pass. And this makes Hassan really upset, and Amir kind of comforts him. Hassan's mother was beautiful, like I said, and she was also known to sort of seduce men. So she was 19 years younger than Ali when they got married. And... Everyone thought it was really strange that she married Ali, who, like I said, he had paralysis in one of his legs. He was a lot older than her. But Ali was very kind-hearted and capable of hurting anyone. And when Hassan was born, though, his mother refused to hold him. She made fun of his cleft lip. And then she left a week later, like I said. So they grew up together, and Hassan, but not only that... Hassan and Amir fed from the same woman. They were nursed by the same woman. They took their first steps in the same place, under the same roof. They spoke their first words. Amir tells us that his first word was Baba, but Hassan's first word was Amir. Chapter 3. Amir's dad, Baba, was nicknamed Mr. Hurricane. He had three long scars that ran down his back. Like I said, he was Pashtun. He was tall with a thick beard. He snored loudly. He just had like a really big presence. He did a lot for his community. He built an orphanage in the 1960s, paid for it himself. The day before the orphanage opened, Baba took Amir to a lake a couple miles north of Kabul. They spent the day there together, and Baba worked on his speech for the orphanage. And he says that people always doubted his father and thought that he should have been a lawyer like his dad was, not a businessman. 
but he married his wife, Sophia. She was highly educated and respected and virtuous and beautiful. She was actually a descendant of a royal family. She taught classic Farsi literature at the university. So that was his mother. So like I said, Baba had a very big presence and he kind of, Amir says, molded other people and the world around him to be what he wanted. But he had a really hard time doing that with his son, Amir. And on page 15, Amir says, the problem, of course, was that Baba saw the world in black and white. You can't love a person who lives that way without fearing him too, maybe even hating him a little. And like I said before, Amir has this resentment towards his father and Hassan because he feels like Baba loves Hassan more than him. And that's something that he carries with him all the time. So Amir tells us that in school, they began teaching them about Islam. And the teacher told him that drinking was a sin and that those who drank would have to answer for it. So Amir tells his dad this and his dad (laughs) grabs a drink and sits down and tells him, you know, his opinion of sin. And Baba says that he hopes Afghanistan never falls into the hands of people like his teacher. And then he says that there's one sin and that is theft. All the other sins are a variation of it in some way. And Baba says that when he was younger, someone wandered into his home and killed his dad. So basically what he's saying is, this man broke into my home. He killed my father and therefore he stole my father from me. So he thinks that every sin is of some variation of theft. Amir thinks about this and on page 19 he says, I always felt like Baba hated me a little. And why not? After all, I had killed his beloved wife, his beautiful princess, hadn't I? The only thing Amir really has left of his mother is the books that she left when she died. So he reads them a lot. He becomes a master of poems in school. He reads all of his mother's books. And when those ran out, he would spend all of his allowance money on new books. And he says this is how he escaped his father's aloofness. Baba doesn't like that Amir only reads. He wanted a son who played soccer, who, you know, was more athletic and less literary. So he took him to soccer games and a lot of like manly things. And he, you know, complained to his friend Rahim Khan. I think my son's missing something. He's not like me. He's not manly enough. And Baba says if he hadn't witnessed his birth, he would doubt that Amir was even his son. And of course, Amir overhears this conversation and is very upset by it. Chapter 4. In 1933, Baba was born and a couple of young men struck and killed a young Hazara couple, leaving their five-year-old son an orphan. And that was Ali. And Baba's dad was the judge, sentenced them to military service, and he took the boy in and raised him as his own. And that was Ali. So even though they grew up together, Baba never referred to Ali as his friend. And Amir never thought of Hassan as his friend. Well, he did, but he never wanted people to know that they were friends because, like I said, Amir was Pashtun and Hassan was Hazara. And that meant that Amir was Sunni Muslim and Hassan was Shia Muslim. So the difference is important. And like I said, Hazaras were very persecuted for years and years and years. But that didn't stop Amir from hanging out with Hassan every day. So they watched Western movies together. They explored the city. They hung out every day. After Amir came home from school, Amir would read to Hassan because Hassan didn't get to go to school. He was illiterate. 
And on 28, Amir says, but despite his illiteracy, or maybe because of it, Hassan was drawn to the mystery of words, seduced by a secret world forbidden to him. And so Amir would sometimes be mean and lie to Hassan about the meaning of a word and sometimes make up his own stories as he was pretending to read a book. He would do that. And then one time Hassan told Amir that he loved the story that he had just read to him, which is something that Amir made up. And that encouraged Amir so much that he wrote his very first short story that night. And he shared it with his father the next day. He obviously didn't care for it. But Rahim Khan took it from his father and read it and told Amir that he did a good job and he really liked it. He was encouraged by Rahim's words. And so he decided to let Hassan read the story or read it to Hassan. And so his father left for the night and Ali and Hassan were sleeping inside of the house because because Baba was gone. And so he takes it to Hassan and reads it to him. And Hassan tells him that there's a plot hole in the story. And Amir at first was super upset, but he didn't get the chance to say anything because then his world changed forever. Chapter five. So they're sitting in the living room reading this story and all of a sudden there are really loud noises and gunshots. Obviously, Hassan and Amir are very scared. On page 36, Amir says, Huddled together in the dining room and waiting for the sun to rise, none of us had any notion that a way of life had ended. So what happened was, it's July 17th, 1973. The king of Afghanistan is in Italy, and his cousin, Daoud Khan, effectively ended the king's reign by staging a coup. He overthrew the monarchy, essentially. And so instead of listening to the news, they leave the house and go to their tree that they always read in. So these three bullies come. So it's a Seth, and he's with his two friends, Wally and Kamal, the three boys corner Amir and Hassan, and Asef starts making fun of Hassan's dad, and he tells the boys that his family knows the new president. This is also when Asef reveals that he believes Hitler had the right idea, even though his mother has tried to teach him otherwise. So Asef's mom's like, maybe, maybe don't be chill with Hitler. But Asef's like, no, that dude had the right idea. So Asef is like, I'm going to talk to this new president that my family knows, and I'm going to share my vision with him. His vision is that Afghanistan is for Pashtuns and not Hazaras like Hassan. Asef then pulls out his brass knuckles, because what child doesn't have brass knuckles, and has the intention of beating up Amir for being friends with Hassan. And right as he goes for Amir, Hassan grabs his slingshot, points it at Asef's eye, and asks him to let them go. So Hassan is like extremely good at slingshot. He's perfect aim, like deadly with a slingshot. So he tells them, get out of here, leave us alone, or I'm going to hit you in the eye with this slingshot. Asef leaves, decides to let them go, but promises to never forget what happened. But clearly he was scared of Hassan and his slingshot. A couple years pass in this new republic, which is focused on building the economy with modern technology and increasing women's rights. And Hassan's birthday is coming up. And Baba always gets him a gift. And this year on Hassan's birthday, Baba explains to him that his gift is to get a plastic surgeon to fix his cleft lip. And after it's done, it looks great. 
And Amir says, I wished I too had some kind of scar that would beget Baba's sympathy. It wasn't fair. Hassan hadn't done anything to earn Baba's affections. He'd just been born with that stupid hair lip. So Amir, remember, is a child. He's like nine or ten years old. He's jealous of the attention that Hassan gets from his father, and he, you know, lashes out in mean ways. Chapter six. Okay, so it's winter in Kabul, and obviously most kids like when it's winter because they get snow days and school shuts down. During the winter is also when kids fly kites. So like I said, Amir and his father don't get along very well. They don't have a lot in common, but kites is like the one thing that they share a love for. And so Amir really holds on to that. And every winter in Kabul, there's a kite flying tournament. Baba took them to buy kites from a shoemaker who was also a very famous kite maker. And he buys them both the best kite and the same one. And this, like I said, remember Amir is like 10 years old, but this bothers him because he wants to feel special to his dad. And so it bothers him that Hassan gets the exact same kite as he does. Anyway, he just wants to feel special and his father doesn't really give him that. So like I said in the beginning, kite flying is huge in Afghanistan. This is the tournament, like the big tournament of the year. The kites fight each other until there's one kite left flying in the sky. On page 52, it says, Afghans cherish customs but abhor rules. And so it was with kite flying. So one of the biggest parts of the tournament is catching the kites when they fall, especially the last kite to fall. And the people who catch these are called kite runners. And Hassan is the best kite runner that Amir knows. Amir remembers a time when Hassan and Amir were chasing after a kite. When Amir was looking at it, it seemed like the kite was going the opposite direction that they were running. But Hassan kept saying, no, I promise you I'm going to catch it. Like, I know I'm going to get it. So he had like a way of knowing where the wind was going to take the kite, even if it seemed like he was going the wrong way. And on page 55, Amir says, and that's the thing about people who mean what they say. They think everyone else does too. Remember, this is Amir as an adult writing this story, looking back and realizing that he was harsh in his feelings toward Hassan. He basically idolizes Hassan. You know, he was a much better person than Amir is, is how Amir feels. So it's the winter of 1975. And this is the last time that Amir sees Hassan run a kite. So this is the biggest kite flying competition in 25 years in their neighborhood. Amir really wants to win. His father really wants him to win. And Baba says to Amir, I think you're going to win. And that sort of planted a seed into his mind that he was like, okay, this is my chance to show him that I'm worthy to be his son. And he says on page 56, then maybe my life as a ghost in this house would be finally over. Chapter 7. So they wake up the morning of the tournament. Hassan makes Amir's breakfast like he always does. He's just trying to like make conversation, but Amir is snappy with him because he barely slept and he's like, ask your dad, Hassan, like, I don't want to talk about it. It's kind of a jerk to him. They get ready and they go to the place where they're meeting to fly kites. So they work together. Basically, Hassan holds the string, like the back, as he like feeds it into the sky. And Amir is the one that's holding it up farther, like slashing other kites down, telling it where to go. 
So as the day passes by, Amir's kite is still flying and so many others have fallen. He's finally one of the last two kites left. And he's so excited because he thinks he actually might win this, make his father proud. He like does this maneuvering trick where he tricks the kite into thinking he's doing something else and then he dives and he cuts the line and he wins. And he's so happy that he won and that he he knows his dad is proud. So then Hassan takes off running to catch the kite. He tells Amir, like, I'm going to catch this kite for you. Amir goes to look for him after a while, is like running through the streets trying to find him. He asks a merchant at the bazaar who tells him that he saw Hassan running with a blue kite in his hands, which is the kite, the last kite that fell, which means he got the kite. But he says he was being chased by other boys. Amir at this point is like, oh no, that sounds like Asef, their bully, and his friends. And he, in fact, does find Hassan and the three boys, Asef and his two friends. And they're in like a back alley. And Amir doesn't go to help. He kind of like stands back a little bit where they can't see him because he's kind of trying to see what's going to happen and he's scared. Asef is telling Hassan that he's like, I'll forgive you for whatever in exchange for the blue kite. Like, give me the blue kite and I'll let you go. Hassan refuses to give it to him because he promised Amir that he would get this kite for him. And then Asef attacks him. Okay, and this scene is really hard to read. It's really hard to get through. Just be warned, this is this is a horrible scene. So Asef and his friends start attacking Hassan. Amir is standing like a little bit away watching, but doesn't think that they can see him. And he Amir starts having flashbacks of when his dad told him about how they were fed from the same breast. And he has another memory about how he got lost in a snowstorm until a hand reaches out to save him and pulls him into summer. So he's having these memories of all the times, basically, that Hassan has helped him. You know, we're basically brothers is what his dad always told him. And he watches as the two friends hold Hassan down and Asef rapes him. Amir does nothing. He sees Hassan's face. It's kind of just like a look of resignation. Just keep in mind that Amir is 12 years old and he's scared. And I'm not like saying he shouldn't have helped because he definitely should have. But again, he is a child. They're both children and they're both scared. And anyway, so Amir doesn't help. He runs away instead. And he tries to justify running away. He obviously can't. But he hides until he sees Asef and his friends run past him. And then he goes to meet Hassan. And when he meets him, he tells him, you know, I was looking for you, but I couldn't find you. So he lies. And he says they, they never talked about what happened that day. And they walked home together. And he says on page 78, did he know I knew? And if he knew, then what would I see if I did look in his eyes? Blame, indignation, or God forbid, what I feared most? guileless devotion that most of all I couldn't bear to see like I said it's a pretty graphic scene there's clearly blood stains on Hassan's jeans and in the snow as they walk home and Amir and Hassan get back home Amir is received by his dad you know just like he thought he would be he's so proud of him for winning the kite festival and for a minute Amir forgets what he did how he abandoned Hassan in his moment of need. Chapter 8. So the next day, Hassan 
makes Amir's breakfast and folds and iron his clothes. But he does this before Amir wakes up and he doesn't stay to talk to him like he normally does. And Ali, Hassan's dad, is worried about him because all he wants to do is lay under his blanket. And Amir, you know, acts like he doesn't know why Hassan is acting this way. He's obviously ashamed that he didn't help him, but he doesn't tell his parents what happened, his father or Ali. Amir and his dad plan a trip, just like a day trip. And he tells Amir to ask Hassan if he wants to go. Amir wants his dad to himself and tells him that Hassan is sick. Baba is concerned about Hassan and this makes Amir jealous. They end up going on this little day trip and a big group of people go rather than just the two of them. Baba invites some friends and he tells everybody how Amir won the tournament, how Hassan and Amir ran the kite together. And Amir gets sick and can't stop thinking about Hassan's pants. He can't stop thinking about what he did, what happened to Hassan. And even though Amir has Baba's attention now, he feels empty inside. When he goes to bed that night, Amir can't sleep. He's alone in the room and he says, you know, out loud, hoping that somebody will hear him, that he watched Hassan get raped. And he says, I was a monster. So another week passes and Hassan asks Amir if he wants to go on a hike up the hill. Amir feels so guilty he can't even be around Hassan anymore because he feels so guilty and he says no winter passes Amir and Baba seem to be having a good relationship on page 87 Amir says we'd actually deceived ourselves into thinking that a toy made of tissue paper glue and bamboo could somehow close the chasm between us during this time Hassan keeps trying to hold their friendship together which is just so heartbreaking, but Amir continues to fight it. And during the spring, Baba and Amir plant tulips in their garden, and Amir asks him if he's ever thought about getting new servants. The guilt is really getting to Amir. He doesn't even want Hassan to be there anymore because he can't handle the guilt that he's feeling. So he asks his dad if he's ever thought about getting new servants. And this makes Baba extremely upset. And he tells Amir if he suggests something like that again, basically, I'll, I will beat you. So Amir starts looking forward to school because it gives him an excuse to be away from the house, be away from Hassan, and then stay in his room for a long time, presumably doing homework. So during the summer, Amir asks Hassan to go up a hill with him. Amir takes a pomegranate and throws it at Hassan and tells him, you know, hit me back. It says on page 92, I wished he'd give me the punishment I craved, so maybe I'd finally sleep at night. But Hassan stands there as Amir throws pomegranates at him and does nothing. And when Amir finishes, Hassan takes a pomegranate and smashes it against his forehead and, you know, asks Amir, do you feel better? Again, the guilt is just getting to Amir. So during the summer of 1976, Amir turned 13 and things between him and his dad returned to how they always were, not a great relationship. And his dad planned a huge party for Amir's 13th birthday party. But Amir obviously didn't even recognize most of the people. But Asef and his family show up. And Amir has a hard time looking at him, speaking to him, which embarrasses his father when they're talking to Asef's family. And Asef gives Amir a birthday present, which is the biography of Hitler. Not surprising. And Amir runs away from the party and hides. And his father's friend, Rahim Khan, finds him and tells him about how he was almost married once, 
to a Hazara girl. And when he told his family, they all freaked out. And on 99, he says, in the end, the world always wins. That's just the way of things. And Amir almost tells Rahim Khan what happened with Hassan, but he doesn't. And Rahim gives him a birthday present. It's a leather journal to write his stories in. And they go back to the party for the fireworks. And on page 100, Amir says, In one of those brief bursts of light, I saw something I'll never forget. Hassan serving drinks to Asef and Wali, his friend, from a silver platter. Chapter 9. So the next day, Amir is opening his birthday presents, obviously feeling really sad, doesn't want any of them, but his dad gave him a new bicycle and a watch. And the only thing he really cared for was the journal that Rahim Khan gave him. And Ali brings Amir a gift as well. It's a new copy of a book that Hassan and Amir loved to read together. And, you know, kind of makes a comment about how it's like an unworthy gift. And Amir says, I wanted to tell Ali it was not the book, but I who was unworthy. Amir does something now that is so sad, so tragic. He takes the money that he was given for his birthday and his new watch and he puts it under Hassan's mattress and then when Hassan and Ali get back from their trip to the market Baba calls them in asks if he took Amir's watch because at this point Amir has said you know dad my watch is missing and Hassan lies and he says that he did take it and on 105 Amir says he knew I had betrayed him and yet he was rescuing me once again maybe for the last time. I loved him in that moment, loved him more than I'd ever loved anyone, and I wanted to tell them all that I was the snake in the grass, the monster in the lake. But he doesn't say anything, and Hassan admits to something he didn't do. Amir expects Baba to fire them, tell them to leave, but Baba says, I forgive you, and, like, you can stay. I love you guys. In that moment, though, Ali tells Baba that they're leaving. And Amir knows then that Hassan has told him everything that happened. On 107, Amir says, That was when I understood the depth of the pain I had caused, the blackness of the grief I had brought onto everyone. Baba is confused by this and begs Ali to stay, tells him he does, it doesn't matter about the watch, it doesn't matter about the money. Ali asks Baba to take them to the bus station, and Baba refuses. He starts to cry. And finally, he agrees to take them to the bus stop. Amir says that it rarely rains during the summer in Kabul, but when Ali and Hassan left, it poured rain. And he watched as his dad, before he gets in the car, he leans into the window and he seems like he's trying to reason with them. You know, remember, Ali was like a brother to Baba as well. They grew up together and Hassan is like a son to him. It's like a huge loss to Baba, and he doesn't even understand why they're leaving. Chapter 10. So we're skipping forward to March 1981. So five years later, Amir and his father are in the cab of an old Russian truck with a few of their belongings and a bunch of other people. And their driver's name is Kareem, and he is a people smuggler, taking them to Jalalabad to meet another driver who would then take them across the border to Pakistan. So they're fleeing Afghanistan. Or Baba had planned this out very well. Amir and Baba left their house looking as if they were going for a walk. They took some of their belongings with them, things of importance. 
they couldn't look like they were leaving because in Kabul you didn't know who you could trust anymore because people were snitching on each other left and right. The reason that they are fleeing Afghanistan is because the Soviet-Russian military has invaded Afghanistan. And this is forcing Afghan refugees to flee to Pakistan. So they get to a checkpoint and stop. And a Russian soldier looks into the truck. He is a soldier that this driver is paying off in some way to let them pass. And he tells them that he wants 30 minutes alone with one of the women in the truck. He picks this woman who's there with her husband. So Baba complains about this. He's like, no, I'm not letting that happen. The Russian man says, this is war. There is no shame in war. And Baba says, tell him he's wrong. War doesn't negate decency. It demands it even more than in times of peace. And the officer points a gun at Baba, who refuses to let anything happen to the woman. And Amir puts his head down. He's scared. At this point, he's 18. He hears the roar of a gun, but when he opens his eyes, his dad is still standing. And another Russian officer came and stopped everything. He apologized for the first officer, and then he sent them on their way. And the young woman's husband kisses Baba's hand and thanks him. So when they get to Jalalabad, they go into a house and they're told that the driver couldn't take them to Pakistan because the car engine blew last week. And Baba gets really upset and starts choking the driver. His name's Kareem. And he doesn't stop until a woman begs him to stop. Anyway, the driver leads them into the basement of this house where there are other people waiting to go to Pakistan as well. And he tells them that they're going to have to wait a couple of days. And in the basement, Amir sees Kamal, who is the other friend of Asef. So Asef's friends were Wally and Kamal. Kamal is the other friend who helped hold Hassan down as Asef raped him. And Kamal's dad talks to Baba and says that a stray bullet had killed his wife and that Kamal had been raped, which just makes you so sad because no one wants to say anyone deserves anything. No child deserves, to, no one deserves to be raped. But it is a sad situation for him, especially having held Hassan down while the same thing happened to him. The driver, Kareem, tells them that the truck is beyond repair, but that they can go on his cousin's fuel truck. So before they leave, Baba picks up dirt and kisses it like the dirt of Afghanistan and he puts it in a box that he keeps next to his heart. So it's like his last time on Afghan soil. So they're in a fuel truck. So they're like crawled through a hole and it smells like gasoline and everyone's feeling sick and it's really dark and claustrophobic. And Amir begins to have a panic attack until he sees Baba's wristwatch that glows green, and that's like what keeps him stable. There's not a lot of oxygen in the truck, and so everyone's kind of feeling that. But they finally make it across the border to Pakistan, and they unload the truck, and they hear a man wailing, and they see Kamal's dad rocking him back and forth, and Kamal is not breathing. And it's such a heartbreaking scene this dad holding him, and he's just like wailing, and Kamal's dad jumps on Kareem, the driver, and grabs his gun. Before anyone can do anything, he takes the gun and he kills himself. He lost his wife and now his son. And at this point, he's just like, I can't do it anymore. And he kills himself. Chapter 11. So we open in Fremont, California in the 1980s. And Baba and Amir have moved there from Kabul. So Baba loves America. 
He loved the idea of living in America, but living in America gave him an ulcer. It really stressed him out. He says that he hated Jimmy Carter, but he loved Ronald Reagan. And Baba suffered pretty heavily in the Bay Area. He didn't like the pollution and the traffic. It made him unhealthy. He only spoke broken English, and so it was hard for him to get around and get stuff done. He got a job at a gas station and refused to use food stamps. He thought that that made him weak. He didn't understand why people in America didn't trust each other. Like one time he went to a grocery store and went to buy some fruit and he wrote a check and the people at the grocery store asked for his ID and he freaked out and they kicked him out and he just doesn't understand why people in America don't trust each other. Amir graduated high school in America in 1983 when he was 20 years old. Baba was extremely proud of him and they went out to eat after and as a gift his dad gave him an old Ford car. Amir tells Baba that he is going to go to a junior college and get a degree in English. This obviously disappoints Baba because he thinks that that won't get him a job better than his own at a gas station, and he doesn't want that for him. Amir drives his car all over Northern California, spends a lot of time thinking about home and about Hassan. On page 136, it says, America was a river, roaring along unmindful of the past. I could wade into this river, let my sins drown to the bottom, let the waters carry me someplace far, someplace with no ghosts, no memories, and no sins. If for nothing else, for that, I embraced America. So in 1984, Baba buys a 1971 Volkswagen bus, and they drive it all over collecting things at garage sales, and then they sell them every week at the flea market. So this flea market happens every week, and Afghans have taken over this section of it, and it's become kind of like their hangout spot and a place where gossip is spread. And one day, a decorated general from Kabul is there, and the general comes to talk to Baba and tells Amir at one point that he should appreciate his father because he's such a great man. And while they're standing there, Amir notices a young woman who comes to give the general some tea. It happens to be the general's daughter. Her name is Soraya. She catches Amir's attention. She's very beautiful. And Amir remembers having heard her name somewhere. And later, his dad tells him that there's some rumors about Soraya and that there was a man in her life once. And it didn't end well between the two of them. Chapter 12. Yelda is the first night of Jadi, which is the first night of winter and the longest night of the year. Amir thinks that every day is Yelda until he can see Soraya again. So the nights are long. He is basically just longing for Soraya. At the flea market, Amir would find excuses to walk by her. So one day during the summer, he walks up to Soraya and he asks where her dad is. Then he asks what she is reading, which is a huge risk to address a woman at all, let alone about anything other than, you know, the male patriarch of her family. So he takes this risk. And she tells him that she's reading Wuthering Heights. He tells her that he is a writer and offers to bring one of his stories for her to read. At this point, her mother comes and interrupts them. And he sees the hope in her mother's eyes. Like, Soraya's reputation is sort of ruined by the man that she had a relationship with before. So her mother is basically just hoping at this point that another man will love her and want to marry her. So she's excited, and a couple weeks pass by, and Amir goes to their stand every week when the general leaves. 
which again is risky to be speaking to his wife and daughter without his permission or without him knowing. So one day, it's just the two of them, and Soraya tells Amir that she wants to be a teacher and that in Kabul she taught one of her illiterate servants to read. So Amir gives her another one of his stories to read, and just then the general shows up. He takes the story and puts it in the trash. It's basically a dismissal to Amir, and he's very mad. Okay, so Amir goes home and tells his father everything, and Baba is very mad, but he doesn't have a lot of time to be upset because he gets sick at this point, and he's coughing up blood. So Amir takes him to the doctor, and they find a suspicious spot on his lung. They discover that Baba has oat cell carcinoma and that he has a very short time to live. So Baba goes on, obviously, with his normal routine. He doesn't want anyone to find out. He's very prideful. But he does start losing weight and getting tired. And one day he has a seizure at the flea market. They take him to the hospital and then he goes home. And Amir asks him to ask the general for Soraya's hand in marriage. He realizes he doesn't have a lot of time left with Baba. He wants him to do this for him. Amir really wants to marry Soraya. Baba's very excited. He goes to the general the next day. And they both agree to the proposal. So they're all over at the general's house. And Soraya calls Amir to talk to her. She's like, basically, I want to tell you what happened with me before you agree to marry me. And she tells him that when she was 18, she ran away and she lived with a man for a month. So basically, she's telling him that she's not a virgin. And this bothers Amir a little bit, but he looks at her and realizes how courageous she is for sharing her secret when he hasn't told anyone about his secret with Hassan. Okay, that's the end of this episode. The next episode will cover the rest of the chapters and do an in-depth cover of all of the themes, so be sure to listen to that one and follow Brief Podcast on Instagram and TikTok so that you know when the next books are posted.